follow with me as the Lord speaks the first parable in Matthew 13, verse number 3. And then we'll look at His explanation of the parable in verse 18 through 23. Matthew 13, 3. And He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sword. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulations or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also bringeth forth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful this morning for the privilege to be gathered together. Thank you for the word taught already, for the songs that have been sung this morning to honor you, glorify your great name. We are thankful this morning, Lord, that you are a mighty God, we are thankful, Lord, that men all down through the ages, such as Joshua and others, Lord, have proven you to be who you said you were by believing in you, trusting in you, and you by your grace showed your mighty hand, Lord, to bring glory to your great name. We thank you and we praise you for it. We ask this morning for the needs within this congregation, for those unable to be here, we ask you to help them. For those that have asked us to pray for specific needs in their life, for some that have asked us to pray for their caregivers and others, we pray for them this morning. Ask, Lord, you'd give grace. And, Lord, we pray now the Word of God that's been read, this Word would have free course. I pray that it would run this morning exactly where it needs to run and accomplish as you've promised in your Word exactly that you send it forth to do. Help me, Father, to rightly divide the Word of truth Help my heart and my life to be in line with you. Help me, Father, to preach with the right attitude, the right spirit. And then may we receive the word with all readiness of mind 
And after we receive it, may we search it daily to find those things in it that are, uh, Lord, been sent to our heart and to our mind. Help us today to do that, we pray. Bless your servants wherever they stand this morning, wherever this gospel is preached, wherever this word goes forth. Lord, I pray that it would find good soil and that lives would be changed as a result. Help us to do exactly what you said in your word this morning. Help us to hear what you have to say. And Lord, as you help us, we'll do our best to give you glory and honor and praise for all you do. For it's in your precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen. We come this morning to Matthew 13, beginning in verse number 3. At the first of several parables that our Lord has taught and Matthew and the other gospel writers record for us that we know in verse 3 as the parable of the sower. Our Lord's disciples had asked Him in verse 10 why He spake in parables. His answer was very simple and straightforward. He said, I speak in parables to reveal truth to some, and I speak in parables to conceal truth from others. That is the answer that Jesus gave in verse number 10. He said, I speak in verse number 11 and 12, and down all the way to verse number 17. He explained His answer, and He is justified in His explanation. Matthew 13 contains parables, all of which center around the theme of the kingdom of God, or as Matthew calls it more often, the kingdom of heaven. And as we move through these parables in the weeks ahead, you will see that there are several themes that are interwoven in every parable. They emerge if you look for them and read them. First of all, some of these parables teach us about the king himself. And in this first parable this morning, the parable of the sower, which we'll look at today, it teaches us something about the nature of the king, the nature of our God. Second, in some of these parables, they speak to us not only about the nature of the king, but also about the nature of the kingdom itself. The Jews, if you remember, I've mentioned previously, and the disciples to some extent, but the Jews primarily, were expecting the Messiah to come. And when He, when he arrived, they were expecting Him to immediately establish the kingdom of God. They expected Him to come like a warrior and immediately institute the kingdom of God, overthrow Rome, and institute the law and the government of God. The Lord Jesus, in the parable of the sower and in the parable of the wheat and tares, is going to teach us the truth that the kingdom is not going to progress immediately. It's going to progress slowly, and it's going to be established. It's not going to come immediately and completely as so many were expecting. And then thirdly, in some of all of these parables, Jesus reveals who the actual members of His kingdom are. He reveals the true meaning of His kingdom. And He corrects the thinking of the multitudes and the thinking of others who have read into the prophecies and read into His preaching things they wanted the kingdom to be, which Jesus never said it would be. We come this morning to look at our Lord's first parable here in Matthew 13. It's recorded in verse number 3, and then it is explained beginning 
in verse number 18. Two things I want you to look at with me this morning. Number one, Jesus' communication of the parable in the latter part of verse 3 through verse number 8. And then in verse 19 through 23, we'll listen to Jesus' interpretation of the parable. If you've been looking ahead or thinking, I wonder what the preacher is going to say about the parables or how he is going to interpret the parables. What I say and how I interpret them is nothing. In our text this morning, Jesus communicates it, and then He tells us exactly what He means. He tells us exactly what this parable is representing. But first of all, listen to His communication of the parable. He is on the boat sitting there on the seashore. The people, the multitudes are all around Him. And He opens His mouth and tells the story of a sower who went forth to sow seed. So in His communication, He speaks about or communicates about three things. Number one, He speaks about a sower in verse number three. Number two, He speaks about a seed that the sower is sowing. And then number three, He speaks about the different types of soil that the sower is sowing the seed upon. It's a very simple story. It's a very simple parable, one that would resonate well with the multitude and the disciples and those who listen to our Lord. So there, first of all, He speaks about a sower. He says in verse 3, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. That's naturally what you expect a sower to do. That would have immediately drawn the attention of all of Jesus' listeners. Everyone there knew what a sower did in Palestine. Everyone there knew that seed had to be planted upon the soil in order to be productive and to receive a crop. Jesus spoke about that seed. Literally, a seed is a flowering plant. When I was studying these past several weeks, I thought, I don't want to insult their intelligence by defining what a seed is. And then the Lord reminded me of the generation that I'm living in. And uh, so I thought, well, I better tell some what a seed is because they may have never seen one, held one in their hand. That's the generation who thinks milk comes from the grocery store and not from the dairy farm. But uh, everybody should know what a seed is. It's a flowering plant. God created those. God made those. We'll mention that in just a moment. A seed has within it the capability of producing life, of reproducing the very kind of seed that it is. But then thirdly, our Lord spoke about soil. Soil is basically earth. It is dirt. It's a mixture of the creative materials that God placed upon this earth when He created it and made it. It does no good for the sower of a seed to sow seed in places that are not designed and does not have the mixture and the components for the reproduction of that seed. Seed belongs upon the soil. It belongs upon the ground. Just as sure as the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ belongs upon the heart and in the ears of the listening sinner, so seed is designed by God to reach the soil where the possibility is of germination and of life. That is the content of the parable. That is what Jesus is communicating in this story, but He's going to throw alongside this story a message about Himself, 
about the kingdom of God and about who it is that can be in the kingdom of God. He finishes the communication in verse number 9 when he says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying, If you have the capability for the sound of my teaching to resonate, not just in the membranes in your ear, but in the very core of your heart and soul, then Jesus said, Hear what I am saying and hear what I am teaching. What we have here is a picture of how the kingdom of God spreads, how the kingdom of God grows. And our Lord is addressing this false assumption of the multitudes and even of His disciples that the kingdom is going to be this way or the kingdom is going to come that way. Jesus is addressing that, not just by the fact of the story of a sower of seed on soil, but it's a parable. He's going to throw alongside that a message about the kingdom of God. Let's look this morning at beginning in verse 19. We'll go back occasionally to verse 3 through 9. But in verse 19 through 23, Jesus is going to interpret this parable for us. First of all, the communication was of the seed and the sower and the soil. So first of all, He communicates, now He interprets. Look at verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received, received seed by the wayside. Back up in verse 3, verse 3, the latter statement, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. The sower in this parable represents, of course, primarily Jesus Christ Himself. He is the one that makes possible the hearing of the Word of God. Preacher, how do you know that? Look at verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Christ Himself is the primary sower. In the beginning of the Gospels, John Baptist came preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As John's ministry decreased and Christ's ministry increased, it is Christ in this context who is now the primary communicator and the sower of the seed of the Word of God. His message is that while He is here on earth, He is the primary sower. However, in generations to come, those in the multitudes who will believe, and those among His disciples who are true disciples, they will be sent out to preach and to sow the seed. Any evangelist, any pastor, any teacher, any Christian this morning who is taking the Word of God and is taking that Word to the soul, to the heart of another sinner, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your children, whether it is a group of people to whom you are preaching or witnessing to, you are a sore. It may be a co-worker you share the gospel with, your boss, a relative, but anyone who takes the message of the gospel and the message of the kingdom of God and shares that with a lost and a dying world, you too become a sower. Look at the seed in verse number 19. The seed is the word of the kingdom. Verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, the seed represents the gospel or the message of Jesus Christ. 
who is the one God sent to redeem man. When you preach that, when you teach that, when you sit on your porch with a relative and you share that, and you declare that to your co-workers or your friends or your neighbors, that seed is the Word of God. Well, what is in that seed? Well, there's no one here today, no agriculturalist or botanist. There's no one who can tell you everything that's in a seed. You can, you can sit down and talk with agricultural specialists and with botanists and with all kind of, of individuals who, who are trained in that thing, but uh, they'll eventually tell you that there's something inside there. There is something there. They give it scientific names, but there's something in there that uh, only God knows what it is, that when it reaches the right state of moisture or the right content uh, of heat, when it's placed in the exact right environment, it just buds out. It just does. It comes forth because God created it that way and made it that way. We are born again this morning, not by the corruptible seed of man, but by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus said, He is saying, I am the primary sower, and I am sowing the message of the gospel. What is that message? That God sent His only begotten Son to this world. He is the Messiah. Christ is the Messiah. He came to this world to atone for the sin of man. He came to die so that sinful man could be justified before God, and so God would be just in forgiving sin. That is the seed. That is the message. That's the heart of what Jesus is preaching. He didn't come to bring a new way of life. He didn't come to give you your best life now. He didn't come to rearrange your priorities. He didn't come to do that. He, come, he came to bring the gospel. Now all those things may happen as a result of the gospel, but He came that you might understand that you are a sinner, alienated. No way you can ever be justified in the sight of God by anything you have, do, or ever will become. Only through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ can man be right with God and that is the seed. That is the Word of God. It's the only message preached in the Bible. There are men who go take verses and lift them out of context. And they preach other messages and claim it is the gospel. But this is the Word of God. And that's what Jesus is preaching. The sower is sowing that seed among the soil. So men can know who they are, who God is, and what it requires to be reconciled with Him. The seed of the message is the kingdom of God, which can only be entered in through repentance and faith. You cannot enter God's kingdom through military victory. You cannot enter God's kingdom through works of righteousness that you have done. You can't enter God's kingdom by tradition and by heritage. You can't enter God's kingdom because your grandparents were in God's kingdom. You must enter through repentance and faith. Matthew 4, 17, Matthew tells us, from that time, referring to the time when John Baptist was put in prison, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, Repent. It means change your mind, which will result in a change of allegiance and love, a change of lifestyle and direction. Jesus didn't come and say, change your ways. External changes accomplish nothing. Jesus said, repent of who you are and change your mind about your sinfulness 
and change your mind about what you have thought about God's holiness and understand from the Word of God what's right about your sinfulness and God's holiness. The urgency of John's preaching and Jesus' preaching was the coming of the kingdom of God. Now these Jews had waited long and they had waited through prophecies and they had waited through Babylonian captivity and they had waited for the dark ages between the Old and the New Testament and they had waited long and hard and believed the promise. So now that one has arrived that claims he is Messiah, they want to see him just instantly at the snap of his fingers bring in the kingdom of God. But he said, you don't, it don't happen that way. He said, it happens by a sower taking the message of God and sowing it here in this soul, sowing it in that soul, and sowing it in this soul, and sowing it in that soul. He said, that's how the kingdom of God comes. This is the seed. Now, I want to just say this morning before I move to these Souls here for a moment. You and I have no control over the seed. You and I cannot create seed. I know we live in a day of cross-germination and taking one thing and trying to make others out of it and doing all of that. But uh, seed came to us from the creative hand of God. It was God who created seed. That, is, that belongs to Him. He's the Creator. He's the one created seed back in the book of Genesis, if you go back there and study it. And it is only God who can create seed. I do not have the authority, nor do I have the capability of creating a different kind of seed that will result in eternal life for men and women. Now, there's a lot of people standing in the same position I'm standing in today and doing the same thing or professing to do the same thing that I'm doing today who have moved away from the true seed and they've created their own seed and it looks like the seed of God's Word. It, it reacts like the seed of God's Word in some ways, but it is not the actual seed of God's Word. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. I remember, and I don't know why, but I remember... When I was a, I don't even remember what grade I was in. I do remember I was in Miss McCard's class, but we, I was with her for a couple years. That's because she taught combination classes, not because I failed. But I think they moved, I think I had her maybe three years for, because they moved her around. But I remember she told us one day to bring a peanut from home, and we brought a peanut. And she said, uh, we're going to wrap this up, and we got those old brown towels out of the, cafeteria and we soaked them and wet them and rolled the seed up and she placed them in a jar and placed them in the window nothing else was said for days and then after so many days we opened up the jar and took out the wet napkin and that little peanut had split and it was trying to reproduce in an environment of course where it couldn't have eventually but her point was to show us there was life in there. You and I cannot create life. A preacher cannot create life. And brother, the worst thing any preacher or sower can do is to try to create something to get a profession of faith out of somebody that is separated from the seed of the living Word of God. 
The seed is where the Word is. It's where the life is. Only God created the seed, and only God can bring life out of it. It is God who created the Word of the Gospel. It is God who created the Gospel. It is God who is the Gospel. It is God who is the message of salvation. And for man to try to create some kind of interesting, attractive seed that somehow diminishes what's going on in the Gospel is an abomination in the sight of God. You say, well, preacher, you've got to get results some way. Brother, do what God said do. Sow it and leave it, to the, leave it to the Lord to take care of it. It's not my duty to pluck the apples off the tree. They'll fall when they're ripe, and so will those whom the Lord is bringing into His kingdom. The power of eternal life is in the seed. It's in the Word, just as the power of physical life is in the seed. There's several things happening right now at my garden at home. One, of, one possibility is... A rabbit and a deer may be devouring my garden while I'm here, which is highly possible. But the other thing that's happening, and I know it is happening because I've seen it so many times, a slow growth is happening, a developing, a maturity is happening in some of those hills because that's what they were designed to do. We live in an age, in a church culture, when everybody wants to see something happen immediately. Sinner comes to church, first time he's heard the gospel, and everybody thinks he ought to get saved that morning. As a matter of fact, everybody thinks they've had a bad service if he don't get saved. Brother, let the seed work. Keep your hands off of it after you sow it, and let the seed do the work. There's power in that seed. The soil. We have several of them in the text. I'm not going to preach all of them this morning, but look at the soil in verse 4 and 8, 19 through 23. Now, in our part of the country, when you prepare to put out seed, you prepare the soil first. You turn it over, cultivate, you do something. That was not the way it was done in Palestine. The sower just went out and sowed the seed. And it went wherever it went and landed on whatever type of soil that it was. The soil here in Jesus' parable, the soil in Jesus' parable represents the heart of man. And he describes man's heart in several different ways. We'll look at one this morning. Because all men's hearts are not the same. There will be wayside soil in verse 4, stony or rocky soil in verse number 5, thorny soil in verse number 7, and then there will be good ground. All of these are different. But the sower sowed and the seed fell on all different types of men's hearts. Matthew Henry said about this, and I quote, As we are, so is the Word of God to us, end quote. He was right, as we are. If our heart is rocky and stony, if our heart is like a wayside beaten path, like pavement, if our heart is good and moist, if our heart is, is full of thorns that choke out the very life, listen, we are who we are, and the Word of God is to us in relation to how our heart really is. That's the great truth of this parable. If you miss this truth, you've missed the truth that Jesus is pressing home. That's what He wanted His listeners to understand. He wants them to see their heart condition before God. Everybody today knows about the world condition. Everybody knows about the condition of our nation. 
You can go talk to a heathen today and he'll tell you about the condition of our nation. The most important thing this morning is the condition of your heart whenever the Word of God is declared. The condition of your heart. Look with me this morning at this first soil in verse 4 through 8 and down in verse 19, Jesus, His explanation. The wayside soil. He says in verse 4, And when He sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And then the results of that, the fowls, the birds came and devoured them up. In verse 19, Jesus now interprets that for us. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Now I want you to notice the focus here is not on the seed, And actually the focus here is not on the sower primarily, although they are both working and they're both in the story. The focus here is on the soil. And the first is called wayside soil. It's like a a road or a traveled path. When I was a teenager, uh, me and a preacher friend of mine, Brother Jamie Fox, we rode motorcycles when I was in high school, trail bikes, and we rode across... My, some of my grandpa, grandfather's farm, land that was no longer being farmed. And uh, we rode for years, same path, cut trails in the woods, and rode those paths, and out through the fields. And then, of course, we got old and moved away. And uh, my dad was plowing up one of those areas years ago, and he told me, he said, uh, did you, did you ever have a trail and ask, told one part of Grandpa's land there going down to the bottoms and, and uh, look, Google it? No, don't, don't Google bottoms. Just leave that alone. Don't, don't go there. But uh, some, some of the folks know what I'm talking about, down by the creek and down there. And, and Dad said, did you all ever, ever have a trail down right that way? And I said, yeah, we did. I said, why? And he said, well, I turned that land again and plowed it. And he said, every time, he said, every time the farm all hit that one spot, said it almost choke it out. He said, it's just a, a strip there, as hard as a rock. Well, that's where we rode day after day, whether it rain or mud. It was packed like pavement. It wasn't but that wide. But every, every, when he would plow it, it, plows would hit it, it would, it would just pull a little bit because it was harder to turn over. That's the wayside soil. It's where men have walked and and the path has become hardened. The path has become coarse like a piece of asphalt or hardened cement. And so when the soil, when the soil's like that and the seed hits that soil, it's not going to penetrate, it's just going to bounce. It's just going to bounce off or it's just going to lay there for the birds or whatever prey may be on it to come and eat it. You could sow a thousand seeds on that type of soil and get nothing. You could sow seed on that every Sunday, and you're going to get nothing. No fruit is going to come out of that. Why? Because Jesus said in verse 19, when a man hears the word of the kingdom, and he understands that he's, he don't understand that he's hearing the word of the kingdom, then the wicked one, the wicked one, Satan, will come and snatch that away which was sown in his heart. 
Our Lord is talking here about those who every time they hear the word taught, every time they hear the word preached, whether some, their neighbor shares it with them and they hear the word uh, preached or read the word of God, maybe in a gospel track or maybe uh, in some memo somebody sent them or a loving email or text trying to point them toward the cross. It is just like this seed on top of hard stony ground. It produces nothing. It just lays there and it's vulnerable for the enemy to come and Take it away. There's no response from seed in that type of soil because the soil has no condition to receive it. This person is unresponsive to the Word of God. The masses, I would say the majority of people today who hear the preaching of the Word of God have that kind of heart. They have that kind of soul. Now I'm certain that long before I was ever saved, long before I ever preached my first message, that the soul of men's hearts have been hardened. This is not just something for our generation. But the longer I live and the longer I preach, the evidence of that hardness is becoming clearer and clearer. Because in verse 19, Jesus said, Satan, the wicked one, he comes and, did you notice the word there? He comes and catcheth. He carries away the seed. He carries away the seed. There are so many factors. There are so many forces that work together to cause men's hearts to be hard today. So many factors that work against it. You say, well, preacher, if I believed that and I was a preacher, I'd be so despondent and so discouraged that I wouldn't even preach. You know, one reason that a preacher doesn't just quit is because Jesus told us before we ever preached it, that's how it was going to be. And also, there's other things along the way that encourages I'm glad, thank God, the wayside soul is not the only kind of soul out there. It's not the only kind of heart that I'm preaching to this morning. Only God knows. But He told me to sow the seed. He will take care of the heart. Same with you. He will take care of it. The prophet Jeremiah sheds light on Jesus' words that I think sheds light on us today from Jeremiah 17, 21 through 23. Listen what he said. He was rebuking Israel about their disregard of Sabbath day law in the Old Testament. Listen what the Lord said through Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, neither do ye any work, but hallow ye the Sabbath day, as I commanded your fathers. Now listen to their response. But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. Jeremiah 17, 21 through 23. That is wayside soil. They had already packed down in their minds what they were going to receive about God and about His Sabbath day. They had already traveled that path, and that path was so entrenched and so stiff and so hard that the truth just bounced off of it in Jeremiah's day. Israel was stiff-necked in regard to hearing and applying the Word of God. Stiff-necked means they're hard, difficult, hard-pressed, like the wayside soil. It's like people today when Jesus says to them, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They say no, because their hearts are already hard to that. I was raised in that preaching. I have no interest in it. I, I've heard that all my life. I'm done with that. The wayside soil is hard soil, and you can put seed on it all day long, and it's nothing but bird food. 
They do it every day. And I think I'm safe in saying they do it every time the seed is sown, whether in a setting like this or any other setting. In his powerful sermon to the Jews, Stephen said to them in Acts 7.51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so did, so do ye. Stephen said, this is the way you were brought up to resist the Word of God. And he said, you're still doing it to this very moment. Jesus said, some go out and sow on wayside soil. If the messages you hear me preach, the lessons you hear your teachers teach, and the word you read for yourself never penetrates any deeper than your ear canal, then you're receiving seed by the wayside. Brother, the word must go deeper, must go deeper than that. It must reach the heart. It must be sown, and it must reach good ground. Preacher, what should my prayer be today? My prayer would be, God, help me, help my heart to always be receptive to the Word of God, to always hear what is said, not only when the preacher is preaching and my teacher is teaching, but when I am reading the Word and when I am studying the Word, when I am reading my daily devotions or my quiet time with God in the Scriptures, help me to receive the Word with all readiness of mind and then help me to search the Scriptures. There are other types of soil. We're going to stop here this morning. But we need to ask ourselves, what happens to my heart when I hear the Word of God? Do, do I just dismiss it? Do you ever go home on Sunday evening and read the text again? Do you, do you have any interest in God's Word? Well, in all honesty... We were all like that until the Holy Spirit softened our hearts. I mean, none of us would ever have received the Word had not He prepared our hearts for that Word. The only good soil there is is soil prepared by the Spirit of God. But the problem is there are so many today who claim that the Holy Spirit has saved them and claim they believe the Gospel and claim they are saved but still have no growing or maturing interest in God's Word. If that's the case... That's a problem. You see, the multitudes listening to our Lord, they wanted everything instantly. They wanted everything to happen all of a sudden. But Jesus said, that's not how my kingdom comes. He is saying the kingdom comes by the seed being sown upon ground that can produce. Jesus and the sower and the parable. In all of this, and I only mentioned one this morning. But in all of this, I want to remind you, the sower is not the problem. The seed is not the problem. The soul, the heart of man, that is the problem. And the soul must be right. The soul must receive the Word of God. Father, I want to thank you this morning for this truth, a very convicting truth, but a truth that we need nonetheless. I want to thank you, Lord, first of all, that you are the creator of seed physically, agriculturally. Lord, had you not made that, then we would have nothing to eat today, no shade to sit under. We would have nothing, Lord, had not you created it. Lord, you also created and designed and give us the Word of God. 
Lord, this is your book by your hand. Without any error, without any mixture of error, it is truth, absolute truth, from the hand of God given to the pen of men and preserved and recorded for us. We thank you for that. But Lord, in the midst of you being the great sower and and us trying to do our part that you've called us to do, Lord, the hearts of men are still varied and many in, in, Lord, their nature and in their ability and their desire. I pray this morning that you would search every heart. Lord, you would try every heart of every one of us here this morning and help us, God, to pray and to uh, talk to you and pray about the type of soil that we have, Lord, ourselves, how our own heart is in relation to the Word of God for those who have spent many, many days without ever opening this book outside of church attendance. I pray this would be the day. This would be the evening. Tomorrow would be the morning that they would open this book again. And Lord, be responsive to the Word of God, for it is through the Word of God that your kingdom grows, that your kingdom increases. And help those of us who sow not to be weary in well-doing, knowing that we shall reap if we faint not. Help us to keep sowing and keep praying, knowing that the seed is incorruptible, and knowing that, Lord, our Savior has commissioned us and called us and sent us out and given us authority and power to preach the Word. Lord, help me, help this church, help none of us to ever try to tweak the seed, to try to make the seed more attractive or the seed more appealing by something we do or by something we say. Help us just to rightly divide it and to preach it and to declare it, and to witness it. We thank you, Father, that you, by your grace, have birthed us in through your word, and we are a part of your kingdom. And I pray that we would now go tell others about it, and we would sow it wherever we have opportunity, and let you take care of the rest. I praise your name this morning. Thank you for your great salvation. You help us as we go our separate ways. Bless the Hispanic church as they gather in a few moments, those that will be baptized We first of all thank you for their salvation. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to grow in grace and continue to add souls there and continue to add souls here for your honor and glory. We'll thank you and praise you for all you do. For it's in your precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen.